This con report contains adult language, mature situations, descriptions of astonishing concerts, criticism over the first year mistakes of an excellent convention, and our hopes for the future with this awesome anime con. Listener discretion is advised. NYC. Yeah, so uh, welcome to a very special episode of the Spark and Con Report. This is your Hosan saying konnichiwa, aloha, bonjourno, and what's up? And joining me today is... Uh, Doug from Anime Cons TV. Yes, back for another fun, full episode. It's been a minute since you've been on here. And I am... And So what has been... So as usual, something new thing we're doing with a guest host. So what are you watching? What are you reading? And what is new your show or podcast? Um, well, uh, for what I'm watching, I guess the best thing I have right now is, um, what am I watching? Hold on. Let me pull up my Netflix queue. Um, oh, I just finished the, uh, Patton Os- the new Patton Oswalt, um, Annihilation, the, his first, uh, comedy special since his wife passing. And that was really fascinating because he gets into some of the the crazier parts of the grieving stuff, you know, doesn't sugarcoat it. But, you know, still he still ends on a very positive message. And it, it's it's really neat to see how he talks about it and stuff like that. So that's that's what I was just been watching. And for reading I'm slowly working my way. I've just scratched the surface of a the Seven Seas Devil Ma- uh, release of Devil Devilman Grimoire, uh, the Devilman G, which I'm really looking forward to the release of the original series. But this is a good get back into it sort of taste. I'm happy that Devilman is coming. So yeah, that's what I'm reading. Oh, I was watching, and as far as what's going on with that, um, Anime Cons TV, we're getting ready. Uh, December, we do a lot of year in review stuff. And it's one of the few times that we get kind of everybody on an episode. So we'll be talking about kind of our favorite episodes that we recorded this year, kind of our favorite moments and things like that. And that's always a really fun show, especially with, you know, as with all of us on and everything like that. Because even though a bunch of us live in the same state, getting together is kind of hard. So that's a good one to look forward to. That'll be coming up in December. We'll definitely put a, a link on it. And that's those are some very good things to be watching and reading. 
and seeing on my end, I just finished watching Penny Dreadful. Yes, I know I'm behind by like a century on Netflix TV shows, but you know, it's a good show and it's very, it's for that macabre old school horror feel like that League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, but not as, as unique. Yeah. Very universal monstery. For reading, I'm currently reading um, Kumodeska, Kumodeska, uh, uh, So I'm a Spider, So What? Which I am, I don't like spiders, but this is intriguing because it's like <laughs> the typical, oh, he's been, oh, she's, oh, you know, you get reborn as a creature and, well, you get reborn as something, you know, a fancy world. This one, oh, you're a spider, but you're like, like a spider from like the ones that the adventurers fight and now you're kind of SOL. <laughs> so it's kind of cool thing like that. I'm also reviewing uh, some stuff for First Second Publishing. Stay tuned for some of the reviews on that. And uh, what's new with the podcast? Well, I'm going to be doing my year in review probably later this year after the end of the year because I have a couple of movies left, including this one film coming out on around the 14th of December. We're kind of, you know, a little excited for that. Just, just a teensy bit. Just a teensy bit. I may have oh. dug on for that so we could do a, a spoiler cast afterwards. Oh. A couple of weeks afterwards. Yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> we're in uh. speculations upon that if this is the Empire Strikes Back of the of the new trilogy. Which is what I'm hoping because let's be honest, uh Attack of the Clones was not the Empire Strikes Back of the prequels. Yeah. It, the only thing that was really seemed crazy was the um dialogue there. <laughs> yeah, and the thing is, and going to this and you've heard me talk about this I've never done a review for the original series or the prequels because of I haven't I want to but I just haven't had the time is I feel that Christensen and Lloyd were given kind of a raw view because Hayden Christensen is a great visual actor. They should have dubbed him over like Flash Gordon, though. Because he cannot read his lines for shit. But his his physical acting, his facial features, his silent moments, those are amazing. I, I feel like it's also the dialogue itself was half the problem. There's a lot of good ideas floating around. They just never came together. That's true. And also, I really would have liked the original script to have gone through the original second script, which was that actually he becomes Vader by the end of the second script, and then the third film is just him as Vader doing the purge. Yeah. There's a lot of, again, it's these so many of these good ideas that just never came together. But on the other hand, we because it went that direction, we got... Both the Gendy Tarakotsky and the other, and the Dave Filoni Clone Wars series, which are both phenomenal in my opinion. Yes, and both are canon, which I'm very happy about. <laughs> and of course we got Rebels, which is amazing, and Rogue One, and all these other films. Even though I'm hearing rumors that they may be shelving Solo, or putting they, it back. I think uh, it's lots of rumors. I mean, they're finishing, I think they just finished principal photography, so... Uh, I hope they don't push it back. I make it all. Star Wars is now December. I like give me something in the middle of the year so I can look forward to. Uh, see, I, I'm, I'm I'm the other mindset. I mean, partially because as we talked about, I've done stuff with the 501st. I like having kind of that tradition of always looking forward to it and stuff like that, and just have it always be at the same time. I think that the actual regular Star Wars film should be in November, but the spin-off should be in the summer. Make it kind of a bounce back and forth. Hmm. You know, that's what I think. 
that's my opinion on the series. I mean, it used to be I'd want it year-round, and then it kind of burned out. But this way you can kind of space it out, and you have, you know, a nice little gap. <clears throat> and also you don't have to wait so long in between each Star Wars. Well, actually, would, you would be, because you'd be waiting a ye- about like 16 months between the, the spinoff and the regular film. Mm-hmm. Maybe. It's, it's, it's a tough one. I mean, no matter what you do, people have different opinions on what they want to do. Very true. But on the plus side, next year or is the year afterwards, there will be the, at Celebration, we'll have the Disney Hotel with that whole, that whole, they say the entire, all the staff are going to be part of like your own little personal mission or something like that. Hmm. I'm actually intrigued by that, but that's for another day. That's that's for another because we're yeah. here to talk about a convention, a new one which came out in New York. Uh, we're talking about the Anime NYC. This is the first year. It's brought to you by Crunchyroll and Anaplex and uh, like, Bluefin. Yeah, Bluefin? Uh, they're probably sponsored, but yeah, all these conventions now are getting major uh, sponsorship from country, Crunchyroll to get billing, and it's it's kind of an interesting thing to see that. We're doing that, and you know, Crunchyroll initially did that has done you know Crunchyroll Expo, but now they're really getting their name on a lot more conventions, and I think it's because you know they have. I mean, I don't know their finances, but they have money to throw at conventions for sponsorship. But it's also kind of it's feeding their own market because now more people know that hey, they sponsored and like hey. Let's check out more stuff that's about this on site. So it is an investment, and it is. I would very be very curious to see how much return they get on that because they definitely had perks like, oh, you know, you're a premium member, so you get you know priority seating for some of these events, or a nice little tote bag, which you know doesn't cost that whole lot, but hey, it's another little thing. So I'd love to. I'd, I'd love to know how well that does for them. It seems like it's a good profit margin for them, and it's a great investment for them for advertising. However, it does make this not a fan convention. This is technically an industry convention. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, it's... Who was the organizers? Was it... I can never remember. I think it's Left Field Media? Yeah. Yeah. And they've done work on other conventions before, so this is a lot of what I look at for... This event is, it's, it's, yeah, it's the first time of this con, but a lot of the people working behind it, it's not their first rodeo. And I think a lot of that came through in how this con was set up. It is shown how it was a very well-organized convention. Did not seem like a first-year con, which was really spectacular. It was something which was not expected, because we expected it to be like Liberty con or anime fan fest which was a complete and utter shit show this was actually well thought out and we could attribute peter to this because peter does know what he's doing mm-hmm. the, sh- the showrunner who actually he before the con officially started he actually walked up and he did a nice little speech and spiel and a representative from new york city who's in charge of the area actually declared it was anime weekend yeah anime nyc weekend in the city which, I mean, it's always nice when you see stuff like that from a local go- uh, government, even if it's not as formal as, you know, a public proclamation. 
but because it does show that, hey, we want this event here, we want people to come. Yeah, part of it is we want people to spend money here, but it does, it's one of those things that some con locations, whether it's the venue for the the event itself or the area uh, geographically speaking, you know, it feels like, oh, they, uh, it's like, oh, the anime con's in town again. Whereas other ones like, oh, it's so great to hear, see you guys here and we're glad to have people back again. Because those are the ones that you see these cons grow. And that this was a big thing when Otakon had its last year in Baltimore. I remember talking with people, like, even people at, like, say, um, the sub shop or one of the restaurants, they were talking about how much they were going to miss Otakon's crowds because it was a, you know, they, it was a hard weekend. There was a, the kept them busy, but they loved seeing stuff like, oh, my little, the restaurant I went to for breakfast a lot of times, people would go in, in costume and stuff. And they were saying, you know, man, they loved seeing these people come in in costume, like get breakfast and ask them, Oh, what, what are you cosplaying? What's your costume? And they were going to miss that. And, I definitely know that that restaurant I've been going to for three or four years. I mean, I've gone, been gone to Otakon for over a decade at that point, but part of the reason I went back there was the staff was always friendly. And so it goes back to how does the community respond to the convention? So seeing that early on for Anime NYC, I think it's a good, smart move on their part. It is, and hopefully the the community does embrace them. Hopefully it's like, as we said earlier, Anime uh, Anime Next, Jersey has, uh, Atlantic City has completely embraced it. They give the discounts, they do all that, hopefully we get stuff like that here. Uh, it's a very difficult weekend, though, because it is the weekend before Thanksgiving, and I thought that it was not going to have as many people show up as it did, but it had 20,000 people. The full, they were sold out completely for the, for the, for all three days. Yeah. And the, the venue itself was the Jacob Javits Center, which, for those of you who know, that's also the location for New York Comic Con, uh, the New York Car Show, and so many other wonderful events that occur. And it's a very big venue, and they only actually had three sections I'd say utilized. I'd say roughly, if I had to estimate, probably about a third of the convention center. I mean, that's, that's very ballpark. But at the same time, that worked. It didn't feel like it was crammed into a corner, but it didn't feel like there was. you had to go too far out to space. You had the exhibit hall kind of stuff where right next to that were the, the few panel rooms. Like, they only had, like, what, three panel rooms? Uh, yeah. And then they had, you know, either if you went upstairs, you had went to the art alley, which was in that very bright atrium area, which was really nice. That was the ideal spot to have it. I thought that yeah. was an adult. I mean, the, the, the premier spot for the artist alley. Yeah. Um, and, I mean, the one downside is if you caught the sunlight at the wrong time, it was hard to see in there, but it was still the best spot. And then downstairs you had the area for, like, the main event stage and stuff, which, uh, you know, comparable to where they used to have Sunday concerts inside the Baltimore Convention Center at Otakon. You know, not a gigantic auditorium, but it worked for that space. And then right off a of branch there was where the two autograph rooms were. So I loved that, the autograph rooms in particular, because they were 
out of the way of the traffic, so you weren't if you wanted to get an autograph or were in line for it, you weren't blocking the rest of the event. But you weren't going to like the other side of the the con area to get them, so they're out of the way but still close. And that was I. I want to find out whose choice that was because that worked out so well. And it was aesthetically pleasing because it keep everyone away. And there was a lot of areas that were empty that were done really well. The bottom area where the typical main stage for New York Comic Con was was empty, but that became the the cosplay gallery area where everyone was walking around cosplaying and a lot of people who did not get tickets were there just watching for free yep and that area like i don't think it was planned to be that but it worked to get it worked so well because it was a nice open space close by but still out of the way so like the, the phrase i keep using at least for size wise when talking about anime NYC, is it's a con I don't know if I really want to see it grow. I want to see it thrive and succeed, but I don't know if I want to see it get much bigger. It felt like really like just the perfect size. If I was to give it anything, I'd say maybe add one or two more panel rooms at most. Overall, it was close to perfect for size. I agree. The one thing I said I would move is I'd take the gaming stuff and move that downstairs, and that's it. I'd put that downstairs, like in one of in the hall underneath it, because supposedly there were other autographs in that area. Kind of merge the gaming and the auto in the other autographs, and the big autographs. Yeah, but like that over there, I think would work a lot better, and also would give a little bit more room and space, so you could have a little more. I know that you pay for the premium spots, and everyone else gets the crappy spots, but lane uh, traffic was hectic in those last aisles, and I think that you could have just a little bit of more space, and you would not sacrifice too much by giving the space. Yeah. Because it was a little claustrophobic in those those other corners, but then again, those are the vendors that a lot of people really don't go to, unless you're... Because they're like the random things that you don't expect, like, uh, become a tutor in Japan, or uh, the back massage person, which was amazing. Mm. I desperately needed that. Yeah, it's... And that's always... I, I've i yet to find, like, a perfect dealer's room. Like, even Otakon this year, which was nice and expansive, the problem was it almost felt too big. Like, it was hard to get through all of... see everything. Yeah, and so it's it's that. finding that... Finding that sweet spot for dealer's room is extremely difficult. It's... You're right, it is that you need that sweet spot about it. You don't want something like, for example, Anime Fan Fest, where it was literally rows of nobody. You know, it's like a ghost town. You could see the tumbleweeds of... Yeah. And and when they did, like, New York Anime Fest, like, the thing that I always remember about this, from when they had it a couple years ago, or more than a couple now, dating myself, is... They were trying to fill, like, they rented out a lot more space of the Javits Center, and they were trying to fill it. So they had, like, a giant land part, like, land gaming area all set up, and there is a market for that, but that's an, I mean, that's not part of an anime con, and, you know, people that were going for that were only really there for that, and it's not, it's similar market, but not the same market. But it was it ate up a huge part of the function space, and it was poorly used because of it. 
speaking of that, brings me to a point about anime conventions in general, because this is the newest anime convention I've been to. And it is it was missing something which I have seen at conventions since I was a young teenager. Since going to anime cons. There really wasn't a viewing room. Yeah, I mean, the most they really had was the main event stage. Yeah, but there wasn't a room that was like, let's watch the news, yeah. let's watch... And there wasn't even on screens or anything, so I was like, is this how anime cons are going to be now? The whole reason why anime cons existed is no longer a part yeah, of it. Yeah, and that's, that's because that's that's a carryover from the genesis of anime conventions where there was a screening room of stuff like Star Blazers at sci-fi conventions where it was the only place to catch this stuff. And now it's it's very and now it's you know instead of extreme it's the pendulum swung kind of full opposite whereas it was very hard to come by now now you've got Crunchyroll the major a major sponsor of the convention who has you know apps so you can watch it right on your phone if you want to yeah i'm surprised they weren't streaming some of their shows i would have been like here you could stream the first few episodes if you want to watch more crunchyroll.com yep it makes, but it was like there wasn't a view room. That's the one thing I was very shocked about because I remember going to the cons and you had the the twenty four seven you know rooms and you had the guys with the blankets like I'm going to marathon this entire series. You know, it's like sixty six episodes. I don't care. Or or, or they're just you know they're going to try and hide, sleep in that room because they can't get a hotel. <laughs> yeah, Things like that. More realistic but you know you did have the guys who were like watching uh, Gundam for it was like Gundam then Gun- turn a Gundam then Gundam wing it was just a complete marathon of all of it over the weekend and you, you're just like you're hardcore man yeah and again this was one of the weird things about um anime NYC is it and it didn't bug me because I think every time there was, it was fine. When you only had those three panel rooms, and granted they were kind of, one was small, one was medium, one was large, and the main event stuff, all told there wasn't too much seated programming. But it worked. For the most part, the panels were very diverse, and they fit for the most part. All of them were well attended. Surprisingly, I mean, the first panel which you did, yeah, was full full house, I, I, and that's that. That it's always a pleasant surprise. I mean, it's always a crapshoot being the first panel of a con because you don't know if people are going to just trickle in late and you know wait to get their badge because not a lot's going on, or you have to make sure you're you bring your A game because there's nothing else to compete with you, so everyone just goes to that panel. So it's it's kind of a crapshoot. So I was I was very pleased with that. Um, the one thing I'll say about panels th- at this convention was really weird is every panel only had 45 minutes for time, which I'm used to an hour minimum. And even you saw even industry people were struggling to... With with the forty five minute time limit, because most of them didn't had take time, didn't get to having time for quite Q and A Q&A from the audience. And it was a focal point that a lot of people were stressed about. And everyone also, with the exception of two uh, speakers, one that I know very well because they have a gimmick, and the other one who I don't know how they did it. Everyone only got one panel. 
except for these two. So I was just shocked at that. And the one had three panels. Wow. And the other one, I don't know how the hell they did it. It was the the people who did the selfie panel. They got two panels, so. But they also had an extended panel because theirs was an hour long. That is very bizarre. I mean, again, I can't, it's weird, but I can't get too upset at the convention for doing this because they made it clear up front. Like, they, like when you put in your application, it said all panels are 45 minutes long, period. And if I had, you know, applied, said I need an hour and they only gave me 45 minutes, then I'd be a little more bothered. But when it says right in the application process, you get 45 minutes, okay, I'm not mad because you told me. It's They were straightforward with it. So it's a, it's a thing to kind of consider. It is, and I think that a, a lot of people did kind of turn the fat and they did bring their A game. I don't like being rushed out because I was at the end of Saturday and literally the teams was like, yeah, get the hell out. I need, like, people wanted to stay and ask questions, usually at least give you like a minute longer. Yeah. Know? I think that they should have had it till 11 o'clock at least and give you a half hour. For yeah, hours. and that's, I don't know if that's a miscommunication or what, but that's, that's to me that's con organizing 101 is... If your programming ends at say ten o'clock, you you don't have to be out of the building till eleven because you're giving people time to exit. You give staff chance to get out and stuff like that, things like that. So that just it seems it's a minor thing unless you're the one or running the panel, and then it's kind of annoying to be kind of rushed out when there's nothing behind you, and if, especially if you're clearly winding down. Yeah, it's especially a panel like that. I just was, if that was the case, it should just have me at like 9.30 instead of 9.45. That way I had the the half hour. Mm -hmm. But I digress, because the panel was filled. They stayed after the dealer's room was closed, the master aid was done, and people had stayed, and they stayed for the whole panel. So I'm very grateful for that, and I am very happy that it turned out the way it did. Mm. I think... The, but the highlight of the con as going through was, I think, I'd say the Thunderbolt concert. Yeah, I mean, this, there were more than a few of us that, you know, we, you know, our friends who said, and I will definitely put my, myself in this category, they announced pretty far out, which I forget how long, but I, I want to say it was probably over, it was over the summer. It was like June, May. Yeah, it was that they were going to premiere the next the next movie of the kind of the second season of Gundam Thunderbolt, which is an original net animation. Um, and not only that, they were going to premiere that at Anime NYC, which, okay, we've got premieres at Anime Cons for. They're bringing uh, Nariyoshi Kikuchi, the composer of the soundtrack, to it. Okay, that's another big thing. And he's doing a live concert, which for those of you who don't know Gundam Thunderbolt, it is freeform jazz is not only the soundtrack, it's a plot point. And to say that we're going to do that, like, yeah, uh, that was like, I didn't need any other convincing. That's what what I was going to do. Then they said, we're going to have a special package that you buy. If you sign up for the premium package, 
which if you're going to the concert, it's free. If you won't sign up for the premium package, guaranteed seating, which I think they filled the room, but I don't think they were turning people away. But guaranteed seating, a copy of the soundtrack, a limited edition print, and you get a ticket for an autograph session for $75, which for an import soundtrack, you normally runs you about $30. That's a steal. That is a really, really good price. And I was super surprised to pick up my package, and it was a nice, like, almost cardstock print, not just a flimsy poster, in a plastic sleeve to keep it nice. A copy of not just the the soundtrack for the old thing, the brand new soundtrack, which this was had premiered like basically the day before the convent, the premiere in America, and we were getting the brand new soundtrack in hand. And again, to get the autograph session, which we thought it was just going to be uh, Kikuchi-san. No, it was the entire band. It was the two other vocalists from the other songs there. Again, for $75. That is a amazing bargain. And I, I can't emphasize enough how cool that was. Like, Yes, I applied to be pressed to cover the convention for Anime Cons TV, but if I had bought my ticket and still had paid to pay for that premium package, I still think it would have been a worthwhile purchase. It was an amazing show, and the thing is, I watch a lot of anime con- concerts at conventions. I watch a lot of concerts in general. I enjoy because I enjoy music a lot, and when you see a a group having fun when they're at the concert, not just going through the motions, playing their music, but when they have fun, yeah, you know you have a great show. And that's what you saw. You saw every single member was had a smile on their face and they were just jamming. And it was just, it was, it was so impressive and so, like, it was uplifting. It made you feel like you're part of the moment, you're enjoying that moment. And it fits so well with the show because, as they said, this is all music that the characters would be listening to. Everyone had their own type of music. And especially because they're out in the frontier, you have a lot of the old-fashioned, like, the 50s doo-wop. You have a little bit of the, uh, what was it, was the jazz? Uh, yeah, like the freeform, premium jazz. Freeform jazz. Freeform jazz. And, and because, like, the, the band was mainly four members, you know, Kikuchi on sax, a, a trumpet player, um, or maybe five, because I think they had a bass, drums and yeah. piano. And it was pretty small, but it's all, in, you know, mostly instrumental unless it's, the vocalist doing their tracks. It's like this concert, like I've seen Jam Project in concert at twice at cons. I've seen Tim Revolution twice at cons. I've seen a bunch of other stuff. And I was reluctant to say this at first, but the more I think about it, like this is, you know, we're recording this a week after the concert. I honestly think this is the best concert I have ever been to at a convention, and I've been going to conventions for 17 years. This is probably one of the neatest things, and if nothing else, it was probably the most unique experience I've ever had a chance to do at a convention. And it's unfortunate. Like, I would love to do this again, but at the same time, I almost worry that it would lose its charm, even though it was so cool. So it's 
it, it's it's set a new high high watermark for a lot of us. Yeah, I don't think that there is anything. There is no there is no going down. I mean, unless they get Larkin CL, Porno Graffiti, and five other bands just doing like a super four day concert, like essentially Burning Man for anime fans. I don't think they're gonna beat this. Yeah. Even, even though I would totally do that, I would totally go to that. And yeah, anime Burning Man. And again, and this is, and <laughs> we should copyright. Yeah, that. <laughs> and like even the thing also is like you the the screening of the uh, bandit the Gun of Thunderbolt Band of Flower. This you know was a day after it premiered in Japan. We're getting a screening with an English dub. A good you know, and it's a NYAV post has been knocking it out of the park with Gundam production lately. And this was oh, yeah. this was even this was good even for them, and they do really good stuff. And we're getting the English stuff like that. Like I, it, if I sound so animated, pun very much intended, it's because this is such a big deal. Like I, it's really one that you really have to really emphasize. So yeah, it also. Uh... One thing I'm going to bring up is the fact is that about a month before this pan, or not even a month, it was three weeks before this con happened, I get an email, text message, or it was actually, no, it was an SMS from Doug saying, hey, you want to, co- hey, I got an idea for cosplay, you want to do it? <laughs> it's, we're going to the, the Living Dead Squadron. Uh, yeah, it's Living Dead. Do, 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 I, can, I can go through this if you want, but if you Go for it. Go okay. For it, go for it. So... Uh, Bear with me, dear listener. I I cannot emphasize enough how last minute, how crazy this idea was. And the pictures are on the page. Yeah. So you have to, that's, the, that's the thumbnail is the picture. So um, I had just because again, Gundam Thunderbolt not not only is an anime, but it's based off a manga series. Um, and there's one character who is from what they call the Living Dead um, division. And it was all people that are, you know, have like artificial limbs and everything like this. And he's a survivor of the war. And there's these mechanics that are working for him. And they kind of adopt him as their mascot. And they just kind of like think it's really cool that he's, you know, they there's an inspiration to him. And there's this one panel where they're like, the mechanics are kind of rooting for him. Like, yeah, we think you're awesome. Look, we even made t-shirts for all of us. And it's all these big muscle-bound guys, like, think like, uh, Armstrong from Full Metal Alchemist posing in these white t-shirts with his uh, with his personal insignia on it and it says uh, like DL Survivor or LD Survivor because he's the character is Daryl Lorenz but he's Living Dead Division and he's a survivor of the combat and stuff like that and I looked at this panel and it's hysterical and it's it does the anime only has a little nod to it but in the manga it's this wonderful panel and I looked at this and I'm like these guys are just wearing cargo pants and what basically white t-shirts with this guy's logo on it. <laughs> so I hopped on and asked people, like, hey guys, here's this panel of the, the, the latest volume, translated volume of Gunner Thunderbolt. Let's do a thing. Because um, well, this is one of those costumes where if you, one person does it, okay, hey, that's a thing. Two, cool, that's kind of neat. They got, they got a matching costume. When you start seeing three or more people in a matching costume, all of a sudden you, your brain says, they're up to something. What's going on? 
and, and it's it's similar to our goon experiment from Otakon, but this one a little more. There were more participants. Yeah, um, and I got just. Uh, I got to give a shout out to our friend Tom, um, who does a lot of graphic design work and last minute put it together. You know, got a nice vector file of the art, and I was lucky enough to have a local T-shirt place that I know around here that basically. I sent him artwork on a Thursday night, and by Tuesday uh, Tuesday morning, was able to pick these up, and then I brought them down to the convention that weekend. It was that fast, and so this I can't emphasize enough how much of this was a last minute idea that I said to my friends, "Okay, guys, you know, uh, Zan and Tom and a couple others." Um, Hey, we're gonna do this. Just get green cargo pants, and I'll you know tell me your t-shirt size. And they just said, "Sure, let's do it." Um, and so we wore this to the Gundam Thunderbolt panel. All of us and a couple people were like, "Hey, that's cool. They got new shirts." And someone like from the Gundam official thing or something saw what we were doing, and it cl- realized or like. I'm guessing because they saw us before the panel, but didn't ask us until after the panel. They probably took a, they saw it, asked someone, "Hey, what is this?" And like got word back from someone on Gundam saying, "Oh, they're doing the mechanics. You got to get a picture of them." Because after the panel, we stood in the group and did the ridiculous poses, and they took a picture of us. And sure enough, um, we got um. <laughs> We're on. We're officially on the Gundam's, Gundam's official Tumblr. Yeah, the, we, the, 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 Twitter, the Gundam Twitter. Thunderbolt Twitter. Um, we got mentioned, uh, which was like, okay, that's pretty cool. Mission accomplished. And then, like the next morning, you know, uh, we're kind of just scrolling through. I'm just scrolling through Twitter and stuff, and it's like, guys, we got retweeted by uh, the uh, manga of Gundam Thunderbolt. The guy who drew that panel, we were <laughs> cosplaying that one panel. He got he he saw us and retweeted us. Yes, and he said thank you for coming. And I'm just and we're currently at 545 likes and about 210 uh, retweets. Yeah, which is just I, I still can't like that's kind of our 15 minutes of fame there. And then we decided, because they were pretty comfortable, and the concert was happening, we're going to do it again. Um, I just wanted to make sure I had the name right. So the mangaka of Gundam Thunderbolt is Yasuo Otagaki. So Otagaki-san retweeted us, which, again, pretty awesome. Um, but, yeah, that, that was that's kind of a highlight for me <laughs> of the convention. No, and, that, and then later on, there's... Um... You see us in like the actual pictures from the concert, <laughs> all layered throughout the con, all through the audience. Yeah, through the, uh, you see you guys all in the corner. You see me standing up. You see, you see me probably update. I think there's a picture. Like you can see me looking at my phone, and I'm probably just like tweeting out, "Oh my god, this concert's amazing!" <laughs> but yeah, but no. then because we did the concert, we a bunch of us did the premium package. Sure enough, we go in the line. For for and again, we're all in line together, all in this costume, and they see us come into the autograph room, and they pull us aside and ask us kind of the, the softball questions, 
what did you think of the concert? What did you think of Gundam Thunderbolt? This, that, and the other. And, you know, it's super fluff questions, but you know what? That was still fun because, like, they were doing it for, like, some Japanese special. And I really hope that, like, even if it was just on, like, a little limited thing, I really want to make sure I, I see that at some point. Watch it ends up on the DVD. <laughs> We're like, oh god, yeah, internet famous. But again, this oh yes, this is kind of one of those things that sometimes for a good like convention experience and a good costume, it doesn't take much. We bought like you know most of us either bought or already had like army surplus pants that aren't that expensive, and if you do like housework or dirty work outside, you can reuse them. And I just went and bought T-shirts for us, and they were very—they were like ten ten dollars each, I think. So, and you know, for friends, so that's a pretty fun costume. It was easy to get others to join and stuff like that. And sometimes cosplay isn't about how much money you can spend or how much effort, and you know, how much time you take to make it. Just how well you can organize a group of friends to say to join in your crazy idea and. I, I'm. It's gonna. It's one of those things. I'm gonna be really grateful to my friends for this. So, I, I owe you guys a lot there, and that means a lot to me. Hey, it's no problem. We enjoyed doing it. It was a lot of fun. And anyone who's listening who goes to Anime Boston, make this shirt. Show up at Anime Boston. I think we get a bunch of us together. Oh dear! Oh dear God! But I think that the only thing that would made it better. Well, one is if I think it was Dylan was the one who forgot it on. Saturday no, Dylan. Dylan Dylan couldn't go to the part of the anime convention. Our friend Hazukari on Twitter, uh, yeah. the 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 living embodiment of the harmless shit post. <laughs> um, he he did not go to a lot of the convention like in the afternoon because he went to see the Heaven's Feel uh screening outside of you know in a different part of New York. Which if I kind of wish the Fate Stay Night. Evans Field movie was screening more than one day, so I could have done that too. Um, so he couldn't join us on Saturday for the panel, but he joined us on Sunday for the meeting. And likewise, another one, uh, another one of our friends didn't feel like wearing it on Sunday because he had already worn it, and he didn't want to. We also wore boots, and he had kind of injured his foot, so he opted out. Which yeah. that perfectly justifiable reason. I don't want to sound like, completely. I both in both cases, I don't want to sound like I'm mad or disappointed in them because. Those are both very valid reasons. No, I just I, I agree. I think I don't, I don't know chain them because they were in pictures no matter what. I just think I think it would be a little more epic. The only thing that would make it more epic is if the Almighty Mike Tool had done it with us. Oh jeez, I barely saw him that at that convention. We saw yeah, we saw him when we went out to dinner afterward after the con had closed, and we told him we told him where we were in case he wanted to meet us. He was, and then he ghosted later. But he was—he was—he's understandably yeah. busy, and it's understandable because he is Mike Tool, voice of voice, voice. narrator of Banana, Banana and Yam. Yeah, so I, <laughs> that's what we'd be for the rest of time. <laughs> uh, so uh, were there any? So besides that, any other highlights uh, at the con? Anything really cool you saw, or anything crazy you discussed, um, or or anything crazy you saw? So there was some a couple, uh, and this is just going to be scattered thoughts. Um, Yuji, Yuji Aono, or I think or Junji Odo, who is uh, working on a manga, two Gundam-related manga in Japan, and I, he could not make the con, but he sent, like, his assistant, and so basically had an artist alley, and he sent up, like, a stack of signed copies 
of stuff he's working for. Uh, Missing Link, and I'm blanking on the second. Oh, uh, Colonel Kaladon's Island, like he's doing a manga, manga adaptation of kind of that story, but also the story leading up to it, which is the infamous lost episode of the original Gundam series. But that was a little neat little thing to get. Um, it was interesting to walk by the Bluefin booth because they always have a very significant booth with a lot of good stuff. It was interesting because they were, they had a line for their booth because they were only letting in so many people at a time, which was nice because on one hand, because you could actually navigate, but on the other hand, you had to wait in the line and if you caught it at the wrong time, you could be in there for a while. Um... They had a couple. They had some neat things there. Um, I they had uh, the an early release of the figure figure arts uh, Shenron from Dragon Ball, which I'm looking forward to buying at some point. But um, I just couldn't buy it over the weekend. I had to watch my budget because I need to. I got some surprise travel news. But um, there was that. Um, Kino Kanunya had some decent stuff. They were selling vinyl copies of the uh, first Gunderbolt, Gundam Thunderbolt soundtrack, which were only really available for sale at screenings of the movie in Japan, and apparently are super hard to find. And they had like a stack of like fifty of them. I think they did eventually sell out of them, but not till Sunday. But that was a that, that was yeah. a big collector's item. They had maybe two left when I ran up to get this because I never had any sign. I had a ticket, but nothing. So I had to run upstairs to get it, get the the CD, and it was uh, there was like maybe two left. I think they were all gone by the time we went back up. There. Yeah. Um. So I mean, the dealer's room, like, it's I'm in that weird place age wise where, and maybe it's just evolution of stuff where I don't need too much more stuff. Like, if I'm gonna buy things, it's like things I really want. I don't impulse buy as much in dealer's room it was um there were some decent things to check out but nothing really jumping out at me i agree i was going through some of the the different um booths and well first thing uh there was a lot of conventions have a lot of uh board gaming booths this one had none because also it's the same weekend as pax unplugged so that's understandable and foam game Phone Brain Games has a terrible selection, so I was, you know, yeah. like, I digress with that. But the big, the big booths. The thing is that uh, Funimation, not Funimation, it was uh, Anaplex had their big box sets, like the twenty different box sets, including Food War Season Two, which is shaped like a bento. They had the uh, what is it called? Um, not Osamatsukun uh, Brain Stop. Not working now, remember, in like five minutes. They had a lot of very special boxes that are for the first season that looked amazing to own, even though they're absurd. Yeah, games. that's it, well, the not- Aniplex pricing. Um, what was interesting, though, was they had a lot of, like, something, because they had a lot of, like, really special character goods yeah. instead of just they- uh, DVDs. Um, they had some nice, like, uh, Fate Zero prints that were, like, I would have loved to get it, but they were, like, 150 each. And it's just those absurd prices. And they had the whole line you had to walk in. But the interesting thing is they had all their price points on those posters which said, we have this, and then they would exit out when they're sold out. Yeah. I did like that. Uh, the uh, A lot of the manga uh, publishers who were there, you had every, you had all the major players, except 
Well, except Viz. No, Viz had a little booth. But um, Kodansha and Yen Vertical were sharing one booth, so apparently just uh, even though Kodansha is the, the parent company of Vertical, it looks like just Vertical is just being going to be absorbed, and it's just going to become Kodansha Adult Edition soon. Yeah. Because she is now under the Kodansha brand. I was like, really? You're not going to keep it under Vertical? Okay. Mm. It's kind of sad and tragic. Uh, also, Yen Press was there, and they had a lot of great titles. They're advertising a bunch of titles, but they didn't have any of them at the convention. It's like, yes, we have Roka of the Brave of the Flowers, Volume 3, promoted here in a big poster. Do you have it? We're not selling it at the convention. Yeah. Why? And it wasn't like they sold out. It was like they never brought it, and that's always weird to me. It felt a little insulting, but they were a lot of the vendors were pretty were, were very accommodating, were very happy. I think that a lot of them did make their money's worth. Artist Alley was really uh, jumping. I found some great prints. The print I did buy, though, the, the uh, commission I did, I have not heard from the person. The person said that they would email me, and it's now been a week, so I'm getting a little concerned. I may have to cancel that uh, that transaction. Mm, that's always disappointing when that happens. It's getting a little shady. I'm a little getting a little pissed about that. So I'm going to be like, "What the hell, man? I paid for this. Uh, give me my money or give me the give me the thing." But I'm not. I'm going to give him a week to one more week to to hear about what happens. Uh, the other thing was cosplays. And first off, uh, the crazy part was you didn't see anybody from the Homestuck crowd until after Viz admitted we have Homestuck. And then suddenly they all like popped out of the ground. Yeah. So they're all over the place. A lot of home suckers. Uh, the big thing was, I was looking through the pictures at all the different events, and it seemed like the big thing was either my waifu is trash, or my or my uh, waifu or my uh, boyfriend is trash, and uh, a lot of fate stay. Yeah. They got a decent turnout, and I think, I wonder if that's related to the release of the movie that weekend. I'm thinking that's what it is, because, I mean, besides that, there was... I mean, there were some really unique cosplays. Like, there was someone dressed up as Tommy from The Room. Oh, jeez. Uh, there was someone dressed up as um, a racer head from My Hero Academia, my favorite character, and he was in the actual uh, sleeping bag. <laughs> yeah, that, yeah, my, yeah my, my Hero Academia was definitely the popular one this season in general for cons. Yeah, and it was it's because it's a good series, but I'm still surprised that Froppy is the most popular character. <laughs> that I'm still like shocked by. It's like that shit that I thought the other girl was, uh, but no, it's Froppy. It's all about Froppy. And uh, let's see now. I'm just going through some of my other pictures that I had that were just some were amazing cosplays. There was nothing, but there was no like, I don't know. There was no offensive ones. There was one girl who dressed up. Well, oh yeah, the Cupheads. The other one is Cuphead, or Cuphead and Mughead. Those two were all over the place. The yeah. there was like five of them. Uh, also, our friend Rao showed up, and he is a big dude. Yeah, I only got to, I only got to see him in passing, but I told him got to tell him his costume looked awesome. Yeah, uh, you know I. Yeah, that was about it for the cosplays. Oh, then there was the Pikachu. The, the inflatable Pikachu. Yep. And uh, there were complaints about one girl who was dressed up as a nudist beach member. Oh, of course. She went all out, though. I'll give her that. She went all out. 
the one dressed up as the one, the pink-haired girl from... Uh, yeah. Yep. That's, yeah. I was That's, surprised oh. for, for lack of a lot of hotels nearby, there was a, still a good number of costumers. Oh, oh yeah. And, uh, my girlfriend was telling me that uh, she saw all the costumers on the train getting on, getting off, like full, full regalia. They didn't care. Yeah, well, I mean, and that's because that, how old is that station? Only like a year or two? Yeah. So, it's, you know, now you can actually go pretty close to the convention center, whereas before you couldn't take the subway right there. So that's, again, invest in the city and you do get some good results, so. No, I, I'm, I'm happy that this con went really well. I'm so excited that it's going to get a part two. I just hope the part two does really well. Yeah. Uh, I, I, just because of the timing, I'll be very curious to see what happens with, you know, if there's going to be another event that's going to make me say, absolutely, I got to come back. I mean, I definitely had a good time. It's just I don't know if I can do this, if I'll do this every year. And if they get another big get like that, yeah, I'll definitely do it. But we'll see what happens. It's close enough for me where I may do it again, but I don't know. I, it's just usually I, with cons, I'd like to space it a month, two months, at, like a month apart. Because New York Comic Con is the year before. But then again, I'm, I don't think I'm going to do New York Comic Con again next year because... Let's be honest, I'm probably not going to get accepted as press again. And so they do it every other year, they cancel it. And the other thing is, this year was supposed to be the year for Avengers uh, Infinity War, and we heard nothing. They didn't even have, they had a Runaways panel. That was it. Yeah. Which is a really good show, by the way. If you have a chance, watch Runaways. It's really good. Uh, yeah, so overall, I have to say this is in my top two cons for the year. Yeah, I, I'm. It's definitely the towards the top. I'm, I'm gonna have to review everything, but this is definitely, definitely on the top end for me. And I, I, I will admit I went in with kind of low expectations, and I mean I didn't think this was going to fail, but I was kind of like, let's you know, first year con New York. That seems like a troublesome recipe because we've. We've had plenty of other anime conventions in New York kind of succeed and fail, but this one seemed to work out okay. So I agree. I agree. Just it, it, I'm hoping this one sticks around, so we have an official anime con in New York again, and not these little like Liberty City ones, which are like in Times Square for like a day, and they're over expensive. This is the perfect price, perfect location. I think that it's just a nice. Setup. Yeah, I mean, I. Just for travel, you know, talking about the travel thing, so, you know, coming down from Boston, it's not that hard of a trip. You know, if you get the bus, it's very affordable, not that terrible. But, you know, lodging can jack up the price. So, again, I'm not saying yes, I'm not saying no, I'm saying we'll see. And it's not because I had a bad time. Understandable, and I yeah. agree. The lodging was a little bit well. We had decent lodgings. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, we we, we we got very lucky. I won't. I don't. I won't complain there. So, I I I'm, I do miss having family members living in Manhattan. Like when I went to New York Anime Fest and could just hop the subway home. 
but this worked out okay. And to that end, it was interesting to see just dynamic-wise how many, you know, we had friends and everything, but because there's not a lot of hotels right on top of the convention center, you saw a lot more people kind of commuting home or, oh, I got to get back to my hotel in this area and stuff like that. There was It was harder to kind of organize a group outing after the con, and the con wound down earlier for people because people had, you know, had commutes versus just making it back to their hotel room. And that's, that's, you know, that's one of those things that it's just the geography of it all. But next year, hypothetically, we had a plan for like a place and things if we did it, like you had a big, but that's for, that's off, 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 I'm going to let future Doug worry about that. Exactly. I'll let future Zan deal with that. I mean, on the other hand, hopefully if I have a place we won't have to pay, but that's, again, baby steps, that's one step at a time. Exactly. Well, let's get through the let's get through the rest of 2017 first. Yes, and hopefully all will be well. We'll see. Anyway, so yeah, so that's it. Uh, thank you guys for thank you, Doug, for 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 helping with this review because it is difficult stuff to talk about this con because there's so much to go over with it, and I knew I was going to get stuff. And we covered a great decent amount about it. Uh, also for swag, I picked up three light novels. That was it. Uh, swag, you talked about all the CDs you got and uh the poster and uh, did you get anything else um uh the, the manga i got from uh, ono's uh assistant um one thing i did get was a print i let's see do i now i'm gonna have to take out my wallet if i saw the business card from an artist that was showcasing in not an artist alley but in the um yep yeah. yeah the just from uh it's that's with both of the. It's Chris Kehasujarin. I'm but butchering that name. Um, www.kehasuk.com is the website. Um, I saw the work at Otakon and I forgot to grab it then. But I saw the booth here uh, at Anime NYC, and they had this one print of. It looks like the original Gundam. And then all these little sections are just little different scenes throughout the entire series as, like, each little, like, a section of the leg is one thing, a section of the head's another. And it's a really well-done design. And he's got a bunch of stuff. Like, he's got stuff for Smash Brothers. He's got a really good one for uh, Dragon Ball. Things like that. Definitely worth checking it out. And I'm glad I finally got a copy of, of that print. And... But I didn't spend a whole lot there. I mean, again, it was kind of quality over quantity of purchases. But that was definitely one that was worth checking out. And both that and, like, the Bandit Flower, uh, the Gundam Thunderbolt Bandit Flower print are both ones that I was looking at that, and this is maybe, again, showing my age now, is, like, these are things I want to really preserve and I really want to display as cool art not just as a nifty trinket from the con. So, yeah, definitely check the, that uh, that artist out. But yeah, no, it's it's a really nice print. Uh, I was looking at the Yu Hakusho one because it's a good one. If, if they did a Ranma one, I would have told them about Oh, that. my God, if they, there was a Ranma one, yeah, definitely. Yeah, because well, you, you guys know I'm a huge Ranma. So, but anyway, uh, 
thank you guys for, for listening and uh, hope you have a great holiday season uh, I think that next time you hear me is after well the, uh, yeah. that, that, that small movie coming out in December yeah that small movie I mean I got a couple of monitor reviews and some other things but that, was, that small movie is going to be the big one so we'll talk to you guys next time uh, so see you guys later take it easy